I'm Bill Wittich, and you're listening to The Brand Domination Show with A.J. Adams. Welcome to another epic episode of The Brand Domination Show with your host, entrepreneur, social media influencer, and magnetic brand expert, A.J. Adams. Every week, we bring you strategies from top entrepreneurs and influencers to help you stop competing and start dominating in your life and business. Now, crank up the volume and prepare to dominate. All right, welcome to another episode of the Brand Domination Show with your host, AJ Adams. And Dominators, I've got an incredible guest for you. Uh, He has done some incredible things, has amazing value that he's going to bring. I'm a big fan because his suit game alone is on point. And if that's any reflection of how he does business, then he's definitely dominating in his brand and business. Um, our guest, Bill Woodich, after spending a year at a dead-end job with a foreclosed future, Bill Woodich created his renowned Always Forward mindset and forged his way from the impoverished backwoods of Western Pennsylvania to create a multi-million dollar company, which he continues to lead today. As a results-based professional speaker, Bill uses his experiences to inspire individuals to pursue personal development and professional success with single-minded fervor. He is the author of Always Forward and Fail More, a Wall Street Journal bestseller. The hard-won lessons he shares in his books and keynotes are designed to shorten the distance between where you are now and where you are determined to go. Dominators, make some noise. Welcome, Mr. Bill Woodage. Hey, great, great to be on the show. Really an honor. Thank you. Yeah, I absolutely appreciate you. And I got to say, I, uh, this is taking too long to do. Uh, we met, uh, it feels like it was probably a couple of years mm-hmm. ago now at the event with the Les Brown we were speaking at. And I remember our first interaction. I didn't know that you were one of the speakers. Uh, I actually went to the restroom and I, as I walked in, I saw this guy in a really nice suit and I'm, I'm a nerd when it comes to suits. And I remember commenting, hey, great suit. And we had a short exchange, and then I saw you on stage, and I was thinking, wow, this guy's really legit. We talked a little after, and I'm a huge fan of Steve Harvey and the Steve Harvey Show, and you were a guest on the show. So yeah. I definitely want to dig into that and how mm-hmm. that happened. But let's start with kind of some, some foundational uh, background on who you are, what you do now. Well, well, the first thing I want to say is talking about shortening the distance. I got to shorten that intro that I gave you because that thing's like uh, 20 minutes long on its own. So I need to go. <laughs> you did a great job with that. But we were like three paragraphs too long. Uh, the basis of my success, we talked in the intro about a single minded fervor. And, and, you know, I think, Jay, the biggest thing for me was that I had this tremendous amount of uncertainty in my future when I was, you know, in my early 20s, teens and 20s. And I think a lot of us do. And I had this uncertainty and the uncertainty then it burned and it became and it morphed into a fear and my fear was uh, staying the same or not being able to progress beyond where I was and and staying and, and and working in a small place in a small town and and really limiting myself to what I thought was you know and they were self-imposed ceilings so no matter where you are I think this is a key for your listeners no matter where you are in life uh, no matter what you're doing if you impose those those ceilings and they're and they're low uh, you're going to be a victim in your own prison. You're never going to be able to break free. So I married my fear to my passion. And I thought there's one way out. That's to learn as much as I can, connect with people that can help me. Who are my allies? Who are my advocates? And then use that fear as fuel and use my passion to do things for people, to connect with people as a way out. And that's how I started my first 
I wouldn't say they're intrepid, but my first steps out of that backwoods. I love that. I love that. And I can relate to that a lot because I grew up on a tiny island where it was very small thinking. And when I say tiny, it was 32 miles long, 18 miles wide. And wow. it's incredible to see other people who started a small town or a place where big vision wasn't the common commonality, but you had that inside of you and created that single-mindedness, realized and became aware that all of your ceilings and limits were self-imposed. And that's something that so many people don't seem to realize. So the question I have for you is, how did you come to that realization that you had created self-imposed ceilings? You know, AJ, I think that, that who you surround yourself with, I think it was uh, Jim Rohn, who once said, and then a lot of people have um, you know, used this quote, is that you are the sum of the five people you hang out with the most. So a lot of it is going to be your peer group. So you look around at your peer group and what are their aspirations? What are their goals? What are their dreams? And sometimes no matter how close they are as friends, you need to get another group or get into another group that has the same type of vision, dreams, and I think overall demeanor toward this thing we call success. So I started to feel the limits of that town, uh, even around my kitchen table, because my parents thought, you need to stay here, it's, it's safe. That's and right. to, you know, to an achiever, safety is a, a, a death knell to your achievement, because you're never gonna lean into that thing we call discomfort, you're never going to accept failure as part of the price of success, and you're gonna be limited by your fear and a lot of that fear is who you surround yourself with, what are you consuming, and what are you making a reality from what it is that you are consuming. Absolutely. And I love that because that's a hard lesson for so many people and something everyone struggles with. I remember as a kid, we would go to these islands and we would do a crab hunt. We'd get five-gallon buckets and fill them with crabs. And when you try to pull one crab out, every crab grabs onto it. It's the same concept. Yeah. How did you, what was, what's your advice for listeners and viewers who need to cut people out of their life? Because that's, that's obviously hard to do. It may be mom, it may be dad, it may be a significant other. How do they, one, do that? And then how do they determine who needs to be cut out? Well, let me go back to that crab pot because that's great. By the way, you're making me hungry and it's still morning here. <laughs> but I think victimology in business is a choice. Now, I'm not talking about life, but in business, I think victimology is a choice. We do this around the, the water coolers and it's woe is me. This company sucks. Uh, you know, uh, I, just, I got a bad hand. Uh, I'm unlucky. I don't know. It's the environment. It's the conditions, not me. And I, I look at that the same way you did. It's a great, great metaphor you're using as a crab pot because the one or two are trying to get out and they just keep getting dragged back in. And I think that if you have enough strength of purpose in who you are, enough strength of character, and then you have that big A awareness of what is going on around me and what's being said, what am I telling myself? What am I telling myself? And what are others telling me? And is this a victim, you know, circle of victims? Or is this a group that aspires to be more than? It's tough, but if you ever want to get ahead, if you ever want to get ahead, the first thing you have to do in, in life is make those tough choices. In business, you have to live your choice. And if it's a mistake, you make another choice. But you got to choose to lose those people in your life. And they may be friends that you bowl with, friends you drink with, friends you party with. You may need to have a little separate place where you sequester them. But then you, in business and what you're doing to strive forward, you kind of need to get some distance there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I love that. It's, it's really looking beyond 
your circumstance, looking about your relationship, choosing not to give into that victimology and then recognizing it. So for, for you, when did you make that, what did that transition look like for you? You were small town in backwoods, Pennsylvania to, and you transitioned out. What did that look like? I don't know how this is going to play, but, you know, I think we're, <laughs> since we're just riffing here, I'm just going to tell you what it was. So I'm in this small town. My brother was going to go play college football. And they said, you're going to go work in a factory. You, know, you blew your chance. I grew my hair, smoked cigarettes, and worked in this factory for a while. And my brother was going to go on to a, the, the, what I thought was a, a fun place, college. You know, and the, when I thought about college, I thought about women. So there it was. <laughs> And there I was in the yard throwing a football. I was a quarterback. He was a wide receiver all the way through you know, high school. And my parents called me into their garage on the side of the house, adjacent to the house in Western PA, and said, we're going to give you one more shot. You, know, you will get your shit together. You get your stuff straight. Get your loans. At that time, it wasn't anywhere near the crushing stuff it is today in terms of, of expense. And we will send you to a junior college with your brother. And that's your only shot. And I got there, and I was afraid. And I had to learn how to learn. I had to undress myself, learn how to learn, uh, you do those things I didn't do in school. I was a C at best student. And, you know, I, I was there for women. But as a consequence, I knew to stay there, I had to learn. So I, 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 I grew and I, I went to, uh, after that, I went to another school, then another school for my master's. And I learned along the way that learning is great if you can apply what you've learned for an effect that's positive in your life. And, and I, so I started to look at books as my friend. I started to look at pulling what words and what concepts and what thinkers were doing things, started to listen to people who, who were champions, not victims. Here's a difference, you know, champion yeah. of your brand, champion of your brand, champion in your life. You're the CEO of your life. And I thought, wow, I'm in charge here. And through schooling and through connecting, through communication, I started to work my way from those small ceilings into bigger opportunities. Got my first job at Liberty Mutual. Couldn't tie a tie, had a brown corduroy suit, you know, so old, <laughs> you know, had an oxidized station wagon. And, and that was my first shot in life. And it was sales. And I sucked. I sucked in sales. I didn't want to be a salesperson. I didn't want to be that person trying to take people's money and then giving them nothing. I wanted to be the person that gave them something for the money. So I changed that whole dynamic of how I went about doing business. Didn't try to sell people. Tried to enroll them. Believed in my brand, in my brand, which was, if I tell you this, I'm going to do it. If I don't, I'm going to pay for my mistakes. Came the top salesperson at two companies, both of them very large, one a Fortune 500. And uh, the rest of it was, was history, I guess, or is history. We're still making it. <laughs> Absolutely. Still making it. Absolutely. Let's, let's touch on that because so part of the transition for you was it was a shift in mindset. It was getting in a different environment. But in terms of business, a key thing was that you transition and you learn how to sell. And yes. I know that's a, a lot of what you do now. Yeah. So many people struggle with that. And I, can, I relate to what you just shared because I had a sales, I spent three years doing sales for uh, one of the top insurance companies uh, in the country. Mm -hmm. And I was one of the top salespeople. And I had to make that shift as well in learning how to sell differently, more relationally. So talk about that. Like, How do you, how does someone, because my listeners, they're entrepreneurs, they're coaches, consultants, uh, business owners. What are some of the key things from your experience that you've learned about how to transition and become a great salesperson? Great question. Habit and process. And, and let me tell you what I mean by that. I just did a talk 
and it was a talk for a Fortune 40 company two days ago. And I, we talked about how the brain works. What, what, what's the function of the brain? And the sole purpose of the brain is to, is to protect, is to, is to survive, is to protect itself. So when you're out in front of a, a, another person, whether it's a, a, a date or whether it's a, a, a prospect you want to turn into a client, you got to be very cautious about what you're saying, asking questions first that lower that veil of threat because the brain feels threatened by, you know, it's friend, foe, ally, do I run, do I, is it flight or fear or free, what do I do? And by lowering that bar by asking questions like this, before we start, can I ask you where are you from? Or can I ask you, how did you start? They start to talk about themselves. And so you're lowering the uncertainty in the brain. And by doing that, I found so much gold in where I could go next with a conversation Looking first, J, first, first, AJ, to, to win hearts before I ever looked at the wallet, Bef to win hearts before I ever could try to influence the mind. And that, that, my friend, was the key for me in getting to meet people as people, not people as concepts on a sales sheet. And here's the thing for your listeners, too, as well. You, while you're employed by someone, you're an intrapreneur with an I. Love inside that. of a company working and building your skill set every day getting away from the victimology of a water cooler but building your skill set you know getting a little sharper in what you write reading something that means that's a, a value maybe following you and learning some things from what you put out there you know and, and using that as an intrapreneur to then then think about being an entrepreneur you know, taking the net down. I'm ready now. I got the skills as an intrapreneur. And now my next choice is, am I going to go forward as an entrepreneur? I think that's process. And I think that's important. And selling, selling for engagement and enrollment is a process. It's not one big time. It's getting to know a person, becoming familiar, lowering the threat of uncertainty, raising the bar of certainty. Man, you got a client for life. I love that. I love it. that is that is so true. And for those of you listening and watching the podcast, watching the podcast right now, uh, well, Bill is saying this is from many years of his experience, and it's absolutely true. My ability to sell myself when I was a speaker over the phone, uh, in person, to sell my services as an agency, I learned those skills when I was selling over the phone, working for an insurance company, working for a, a university. And I love what you say about entrepreneur and intrapreneur, because I, I don't hear so too many people talk about that. It's something that I, I often talk about, but it's so true. Most people, when they want to transition into full-time entrepreneurship, and I was this way, they look at their job as a hindrance, as opposed to looking at it as, what job can I go get that will give me the skills I need that will prepare me for that entrepreneurship? Because it's yeah. hard. It's tough, especially if you can't sell. And this is one thing that I feel, I could just feel this by, by, you know, the first time I met you, and now I feel it through what you're, how you're saying this. The first thing you need to build in terms of a skill is confidence. First thing people buy when you walk into a room or I meet you and we talk is confidence. And they are never going to partner or rarely ever partner with you if you don't have confidence first. Now, you have to be competent. You have to right. have follow you or you got to find someone who can make those promises come true you see that's what I did I was very confident in my ability to do things to make things happen but if I couldn't do it I would tell them up front don't know if I can do this 
but I would bring people in that could do that. That's honesty and transparency, and that is the vulnerability that people appreciate today. But you have confidence. Let me tell you, they're going to buy you as a person, salesperson, person that enrolls, based on your level of confidence, how you comport yourself, how you look them in the eye, how you shake their hand. That's the skills you need to learn. And we teach in our company, hey, look that person in the eye. Hey, listen before you seek to be heard. Shake their hand. Be firm with the handshake. Don't bullshit. Don't stammer. Don't waffle. Say less and learn and do more. That's the key right there. That's so good. That right there, ladies and gentlemen, dominators, that's a, a masterclass in sales. The confidence is so key. And I can say, uh, to put it in context, you know, I, I have a GED at 45 credits from three colleges that I dropped out of. But I've been able to sell big clients on contracts and myself as a speaker from confidence. And that was a challenge for me. I was a very uh, intro, introverted kid. And then I became a speaker. And what you're saying is so true. And I can see that with you. I love watching your stories because uh, I'm assuming it's right before you're walking into a meeting. You <laughs> just drop these gems. And yesterday you talked about the way you dress. And I want to talk about that because when you talk about confidence and the way that you speak, the way that you look, that's all part of your personal brand. That's how people are judging you in those first few seconds. And you have to present yourself well. You do that really well. Thank you. You, you, you really do that well. How do you approach that when it comes to your personal brand? The look. First of all, you, you give me so many great ideas. I'm writing all kinds of stuff down. And now you're taking me all over the board, which I love. That's where my mind goes. It's just like popcorn. Bah, 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 bah. Uh, and the one thing I want to be really clear with your listeners before I answer that is this. It doesn't matter about it. A degree doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's, it's something that is re people look at and think, wow, they must be. or they It doesn't matter. All right. What matters is who you are. What you've developed, and those, those street smarts, are, to me, are more important than book smarts. I think the marriage of both is great. But having the street smarts, doesn't matter your degree, where you came from, what your condition is, is what are you now, and what are you building yourself up to be later? Uh, I, I will hire people without degrees because they're street smart, they, they're tough, they've been, they, they know how to comport themselves, and they know that they don't know, and they want to learn and grow. That's huge for me. And I was asked during my talk, right? Again, I, uh, I was fortunate to have a Fortune 40 company hire me. And they said, well, you always dress great. You got all this style going on. You walk in a room, and that's bullshit without substance. You can have all the style you want and think you are a, you're just a hollow person, a hollow man, a hollow woman. If you have a great suit, you're an empty suit unless you have substance. So you better be that thing that you're portraying or you're going to be found out as a fraud. So so good. We, you know, I mean, we talked about this on Steve Harvey. He cost me a lot of money because I, I was able to do three Steve Harvey segments. <laughs> it cost me a lot of money. I'll tell you what happened. Walked in, my mother, you know, she's, she's visiting me and she's from Pennsylvania. She's out in California. She's watching a show. She said, you have to come see this man, Steve Harvey. He's got such great suits. Look at his suits and look at the way this man dresses. And I looked and I went, oh, shit, you know, it's pretty neat. It's pretty good. So I see him. We do our first show. I said, you know, you cost me a lot of money. He said, what do you mean? I said, because my mother told me you dress better than me. And I had to go out there and pick up my suit game. And he loved that stuff, man. But you know, he does. His suit's it's like, oh, the fabric's like butter, man. It just pops. So this is my Steve Harvey suit I'm wearing today. I'm just popping it out there for you. <laughs> so good. Yeah, I, I, I've Googled and I've modeled a lot of my style after Steve. And he's, he's really got that down. And oh. it's incredible. I mean, the, and it matters so much because when you walk into a sales meeting, 
especially I've heard this from young entrepreneurs. Well, my age and people don't respect me and they underestimate me. It's because you look like you're 19. Walk in the room, look like you can handle yes. yourself. Yes. You should be taken seriously. And yes. a suit is the uniform, so to speak, of success. And you've got to look the part. You've got to you know, the number. Uh, great tip. Great tip. And that's what we're looking when we hire. Does this person have that it factor? Do they have that factor that they're on point? That they're looking you in the eye. They stand up when you walk in the room. They look in your eyes. They shake your hand. And I will give you another takeaway tip that has been a million-dollar tip for me. And I mean it is a million-dollar tip. The thing you want to do on every, every time you have an engagement in sales, in sales is to write to that person immediately or send them an email immediately, a text, and thank them for the one thing that they've given you that they can never give, get back, their time. Thank them for their time. You will make a difference because you'll be above that radar because most people don't thank people for their time, for the consideration, just for the opportunity. Do that and you start to separate yourself as a professional. That's substance over just style. That's so good. That's so good. You can't just, see, <laughs> I've used this explanation with clients before. They have asked, well, can you do this? Can you do this with our, our marketing? And I told them I can, but basically what I'd be giving you is a sugar-coated turd. There's yeah. nothing there after you get past that. Right. <laughs> you, don't want, you don't want to walk into a sales meeting with a client and be a sugar-coated turd, people. You've got <laughs> to have substance of your internal skills and then package it. Right. And, that's, and listening to your story, you learned sales. You really mastered that. You've invested in yourself. And you, had, you originally had the brown uh, corduroy suit. And for those of you who don't know what corduroy is, you're younger. Uh, it's, 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 it's not around anymore. Ugly, man. <laughs> You know what? And it, I tell you the thing about that, it was like light tan brown, you know, it was like shit. And it was all wrinkled up. And it's the only one I had. My brother had to tie my ties and cinch them for me. You know, it was a one bedroom in Richmond, Virginia, where I, where I started out in sales because he went to, to he was in Virginia. And, and I had the same shirts, you know, two shirts that I'd wash them. And so my sales manager said, what did you, man, you got to buy some more clothes. And I was too poor to buy new clothes. So I had to sell something first. My mom gave me 200 bucks. I remember it in $20 bills, 10 of them. That was, that's all the money I had. So for me and always forward in life, there's only one way. I'm not a proponent of plan B in life. I think your plan B often becomes your plan A because you don't make that commitment. And when you feel that fear, that fire, that must have, it's a must have. It's not just a, it's a, it's a need. And you've got to want it, uh, you know, as much as you want to breathe. You've heard that before. That's what you have to want success. As much as you want to breathe, you have that, you'll go forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. And let's, let's, let's talk about that because you created the always forward um, kind of methodology. Talk about that. What does that mean? Because it's so important. So many people stop when they just, they were right there. They just had to go forward. I'm going to give you the book because the number one thing is you have to be resilient in life. Resilient meaning you're going to get hit. You're going to get bruised. You're going to get punched. You're being tested. You're being tested by the universe to see how much you want this. And then you're growing your skills, but you're getting punched, but you just got a feeling you're getting closer. You get up the next day, you still take those first steps forward, always forward. So what you're doing is first, first AJ, is you're having activity. Activity that's directed toward the result that you need. That's huge. Not just activity to be the frenetic 20X guy, 30X guy. No, no, no. Real directed activity toward a result. Number two, you're doing that think and then you're do and then you're doing. So you're not just sitting there, AJ, thinking about, well, 
what am I going to do tomorrow? I'm trying to be perfect. Perfect is the enemy of good. All we can ever be is good. So you, you have a thought. Marry that thought to action. Act now. Have that thought. Act now. Because that window of opportunity is closing. Someone's going to go through it. The shorter the distance between your thought and a decisive action, the greater the chance of success. I, I made more money on that one concept than any other concept I ever tried. That's always forward. Time. Use your time, not around the water cooler like a victim, not just talking about bullshit that doesn't matter, not making files. Get out there, meet people, understand the value of your time and their time, find a way and make a way. Don't ever neg negotiate against your self-respect. Treat people with respect. Never lower the bar of yours. Never lower the bar of yours. Learn to walk away from a bad position. And then like my Uncle Joe taught me when I was a little kid, sitting around on a couch, he had a tie bar. His tie bar was Y-C-D-G-B-S-O-Y-A. You can't do good business sitting on your ass. There it is, man. <laughs> there that's, it is. <laughs> that's so good. I, I, I love that because the I've noticed, uh, I, I've had to learn it. And with successful business people that I know, they're decisive. Right or wrong, they make a decision. Ooh. And so for those of you guys you listening, hear what Bill's saying. And I'm going to repeat it again. The shorter the distance between your thoughts and your decisive action, the quicker you'll find success. Yes. You just got to decide. And the opposite is true. The longer the distance. And remember this too. Some people think and don't do. Some people do and don't think. You got to think and then do. <laughs> and, and you know, I'm going to tell you one thing for your listeners, and I really want to stress this, and I'd like for them to really keep this in mind. Don't ever give away your self-respect because somebody's got a suit that's better than yours or somebody's got 10 degrees or someone's got a shit ton of money, planes. There. Don't meet them as people because at the end of the day, we're, we're all going away. All right? Yeah. The time we have on earth, spend it, spend it being confident in yourself, knowing you have value. Build your value, your skills every day, and be that value. Don't give it away on the altar of you think that someone's more successful, therefore they deserve to uh, breathe more of this air off the planet than you. That's bullshit. It's not true. Absolutely. And that, that goes back to what you said early on that about the self-imposed ceilings. When you lack confidence because you think someone is more successful, you created that ceiling. They yeah. didn't create that. And here's what I found in meeting millionaires and people who've done, uh, people like Kevin Harrington, Les Brown, yourself, the people who are truly successful, I have never met one who has truly looked down on me when I was in the, the early stages, when I was in the struggle, because they've gone through the struggle and they recognize a hustler. They recognize someone who, okay, you don't have the suit. I don't care because I see confidence because I see that you're doing the work. I see you're, you're real and you're authentic. And that gets the confidence gets you so much respect, not the suit. They, people like yourself, people who are successful can recognize the young guy or girl in the suit, in the nice dress, who have no substance. You know, the one thing that, that leads me to this, AJ, the one thing that, that I've always done and, and I've watched, I watch other people do or don't do is how do you treat people that can't do anything for you? You know, that is an assessment of, to, of character as far as I'm concerned or lack thereof. So you're at dinner. Are you ordering a waiter and treating a waiter as a waiter? Or are you engaging as someone who's providing a service for you, learning their name, you know, asking them if they like a, I always ask them if they like a little bit of wine. I mean, I'm 
I'm always good with that. Like, yeah, no more drinking. I'll hear you. Also. But but uh, that's a huge thing about character and how you comport yourself moving forward. So, so many people who have material success, then they look for that elusive thing because it's, it's, it's supposed to follow that. And that's called happiness. But they haven't created those conditions for happiness because they're too focused on the material instead of focusing on people and those other things beyond material that really make for a life. That's so good. So I good. I digress all day with you because you just give me some great stuff to hit. I love, I just love <laughs> where you're coming from with this stuff. <laughs> hey, that's, and that's how it's, it's, re, it's relational. And, and that's what I hear from you when you talk about sales, when you talk about how to become a great salesperson in business. It's, it's that relationship. And I'm a big believer that the true currency of business is relationship. If you have no suit, if you have no money, if you have no the fancy car, go build relationship because you yeah. can always build that for free. And that's opened so many doors for me. Yeah. And speaking of that, speaking of doors, you got to be able to leave your ego at the door. It's about their customer, not you. And the other thing you talked about relationship, it is the currency. It is the currency because I have never found, and this is my one thing in 25 years of, of uh, in the Woodage Group, a company I started in 1993. It's the one thing I try to enroll. If a client wants you to win, you will. If they don't, you won't. And that's everything to do with the relationship, value, being consistent, being of character, being a person of your word, having that thought and action separates you from the entire field. And that's what you, and you know, the ego, I've learned this. I, I might not be the right person on every sale, probably maybe 30%, 40% of them, maybe 50% I am. I'll bring someone else in that can relate to that person and build a relationship. It might not be me, probably isn't me. So I'm going to get my ego out of the way. And that's part about being an entrepreneur and understanding that, hey, I ain't the best person for most of this stuff. I have people that do this really, really well. Get those people in front of your people. That's so good. That's so good. I've, I've, I operate by a principle in business that you should play to your strengths and outsource your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And as a business leader, I love that you say that because so many entrepreneurs get stuck. They don't break through six figures. They don't scale to seven figures simply because their ego's in the way and they don't build a team and then trust that team. Surround themselves with people who are better. My my team member who does all my digital marketing, he's better at that than me. I want to bring people who are better designers. I'm good at this. I'll hire people who are smarter than me. And I, I love that. Until you can let your ego go and surround yourself with people who are better than you or allow your team to be at their best and take a, a backseat, yeah. you haven't truly become a business leader. And, and further to your point is create an environment for those intrapreneurs with the eye Right, to be able to grow without the fear of failure, without the recrimination that comes from failing. And that's why I wrote Fail More, because as leaders, we've got to be able to create, if we are a leader, an environment where people can learn, the right people can learn, develop their skills, build that value. And if they're afraid or live in fear that you're going to come out there and fire them if there's blood on the carpet or tears, you know, outside of ethics, You've got to push the position, your position, build your value. And the way to do it is by learning from failure. Absolutely. And that's, and that's a model of Silicon Valley. I mean, yeah. Google, Facebook, they all operate on this principle of let's fail and let's fail fast. Because the faster we fail, the more lessons we learn. The faster we learn lessons, the faster we build success. And so many entrepreneurs are trying to avoid the failure. And I love that. So you've got the book, Always Forward. You've got the book, Fail More. 
ladies and gentlemen, you've got to get these, and we'll put it in the show notes where you can go to get them. Uh, before we wrap up, Bill, I wanted to uh, also ask this because I've got to know this. You've been on the Steve Harvey show three separate times. Yes. How did that come about? You're obviously well, great at what you do, but no, it, 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 no, no you know what? It's interesting because in life, it's who you know, right? A lot of th- a lot of stuff is who you know. <clears throat> so no matter how good your product is, no matter how great your you could have, you could be writing the greatest stuff, speaking, and people love you, and you have the greatest ideas and stuff. But unless you have connections and know someone, and I was fortunate to have a company that helped me, that selected me, and said, "We watched your stuff. We we want to work with you." And that company out of New York introduced me to the president of Steve Harvey Enterprises, great guy, Gerald Washington. And from that connection, I was able to get one show. Steve Harvey pulled me aside after the show, hugged me, and said, you were outstanding. I thought it was just Hollywood. It was just, nah. He said, no, no, no. I mean it. You were outstanding. I want you back. And two weeks later, they called me directly, had me back, and then it just evolved from there. But what I want to stress is this. The connections in life, those connections, other people that can do things for you that make your product sing, that bring your product to more people. It wasn't me. I could have tried forever to get on Steve Harvey. I would have gotten in line and I would have been a long, 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 long line. But I had the right connection to the right people who could do that. It wasn't me. It was them. You know, and I think it's the same thing when people say to me about my book, you changed my life, the mindset, everything. I didn't do anything. I just wrote some words that you already had deep inside you, maybe in your subconscious, but you had some thoughts. You just made them come to life because a word is nothing but something that's stagnant without dynamic action behind it. So it's connection in people. Wow, that's great. The relationship currency. And I love what you said about. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So good. So good. So. Bill, you dropped a ton of value. I mean, this is, there's so much good stuff that came out of this. Uh, one question I always like to ask every guest is, you know, this is the brand domination show. So you're already dominating with your brand, you're creating content on social media, you're building your audience, you're killing it in business. What's next? Man, that's a question I ask on the Unstoppables. And, uh, you know, uh, I, could, I, could, I could tell you what one of my guests told me. I'm going to Portland. No, actually, I'm going to Portland. What's next for me is to write another book. I'm going to write a book on, uh, at this point, it's, uh, I'm working on a book that I think they be, could be really helpful, like Failmore was and Always Forward, about the gritty of making decisions, the nitty gritty. How do you make a better decision? You know, how do you know what choice and what are the processes you do? So I don't want to just come out there and do motivation. I, not, I want to give you an actual how-to print book. So my next thing is, is to really put down uh, an idea, concept, and stuff that works. It's going to be a next, another book. Also have a talk in Chicago next week. Can't wait for that one. It's going to be great. Uh, I got a great audience. It's a bank. Can't wait for that. So that's on my immediate radar. And I think in the long arc of what I'm doing, I just want to keep contributing, building the environment, and then letting people, you know, just be themselves, find themselves, be themselves, and do those things that make for a better life. That's always on my next for radar. So there you go. I love it. I love it. Good stuff. Well, Bill, appreciate you being on the show. For those of you listening, go back and listen to this again. Grab a pen and paper. You need to take notes. I've been taking notes, and this is a great episode. Bill, we appreciate you. Really appreciate you. uh, You were great. Thank you very much. All right, guys. We'll see you on the next episode of the Brand Domination Show.